because we worked together for so long initially, it may have been just an easier conversation and kind of an idea. But I want to take the credit for the fact that I was uh, ballsy enough to say I'm ready to do it now, um, if you are. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Alexandria from Sacramento, California. You're listening to Your Financial Planner, Now What? the podcast that helps you fast-track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Today, I'm excited to have Anna Sergornina join us to share her story and some lessons learned at Main Street Financial Planning, a fee-only practice with five locations across the U.S. Anna is a CFP and the CEO. She actually purchased the firm from Main Street's original founder back in 2014. There's a lot she unpacks in today's episode from buying the firm to working with virtual teams, to project-based financial planning, and serving clients hourly. Anna covers a lot of ground and every minute of this podcast is jam-packed with valuable information. Well, thanks for joining us today, Anna. Hi, good to be here. Yes, well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, So let's just jump right in. Your financial planning firm, the Main Street Planning. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's set up and structured and how that's different from a lot of the firms out there today? Yeah, totally. Um, So Main Street Financial Planning, we've um, been around since 2002 and traditionally have been an hourly uh, fee-only practice. Um, My partner, Jim Ludwig, started the firm in 2002 um, in Maryland, D.C. area, uh, and that's where I used to live. So we've we've always uh, been focused on providing financial planning uh, to clients without having to manage um, their investments, and that's um, that's because we wanted to work with clients that didn't have access um, to you know, good quality financial planning advice. Um, the way that we've uh, structured and how we work with clients, it's it's essentially a project-based approach. Um, so when clients find us, they don't necessarily know um, that it's you know it's going to be. Um, a financial plan that they need. They have specific questions and and they need help. And so when they land at, 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 on our website or however they find us, mostly um, online or through referral sources, um, then they get to see um, you know what option is best for them in terms of okay, do you have a one or two uh, smaller questions that you need immediate help with and don't really need a comprehensive plan? Or perhaps um, the questions that clients are asking, or they made up their mind and they know they want a plan, then we can go the route of um, a full comprehensive plan. And so our plans, um, it takes a good nine months or so initially to lay out um, a plan uh, for somebody because we have sessions, we have homework for you know for an advisor, for a client. And so it's, it's an engagement that lasts initially um, that long um, to create a plan, to help them identify their goals, um, we just because we're not an investment management firm, we would still provide investment advice as part of the overall plan because investments are important um, in everybody's plan. But it's not uh, the leading, you know, upfront kind of thing that we talk to clients about. It's really uh, gets put to the back burner um, for for the time that we're working with clients uh, because we want to help them create a strategy of what they want to accomplish, right? What kind of goals they have. Sometimes, or most of the times, they don't realize, um, you know, what they are and, and how to identify. So that's kind of the leading piece. And then, of course, we'll close with uh, with giving them proper recommendations, how to invest, what to invest, how to save, and, and all of those things that, that everybody does in, um, in the comprehensive plans. Um, the way that it works, it's either hourly, so if it's a small you know, question or project, or um, a flat fee um, for a comprehensive plan. Um, and clients pay us over time for that. Once we finish the initial uh, plan, uh, then they have an option to work with us um, uh, you know, for uh, checkups, annual checkups. Some clients come every six months, some come quarterly um, to maintain the plan that they initially um, laid out for themselves. And so this is really kind of a, it's not a new model. I mean, you guys have been around since 2002, but it's not the what we see in the mainstream uh, for financial planning. So can you just give like a ballpark of what is what is the cost? Like what are people paying you for these for these financial plans? Right. So it, it is not a new model. Um, what we've done differently um, from what you're seeing out there is that we've packaged our services uh, based on the kinds of clients we worked 
and still work over the years because we looked at you know who was interested in our services you know what kind of questions they were asking and so instead of leading with saying all right i'm going to charge you hourly let's just sit down and and put you know push the cl- uh, the button and the clock will start ticking uh, you know we said all right well here's how uh, for example the 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 two big demographics that we work with are uh, families you know yoga families starting out um, and then uh, clients who are facing um, retirement, um, either close to retirement, entering retirement, to so run that phase because things get complicated. So those are the two big groups that we would service. And based on doing the hourly project work for a while, we knew how many hours it took us to do, you know, a plan for a family, right? Maybe young young family getting married, having kids, buying their first home, um, and then. We'll identify, we, we have identified how many hours we, we had to spend. And so we did, we created a package. And so when they show up at our door, they look at it and say, okay, I know that the plan will cost me. And these are all available on our website, um, by the way. Um, but uh, for example, a starting uh, a growing a family package is $3,700. So that's that uh, initial nine months or so worth of service that I was describing earlier. Um, retirement plan, nearing retirement, is $4,300. Um, and that's, again, that initial work of laying out um, everything for a client comprehensively. If somebody wants to engage with you ongoing, do they just kind of revert to the hourly rate after that? Or what does that look like? Both. It could be both. Um, it, depending what they um, actually need. Um, if it's, you know, something shorter or something kind of a, you know, one time, hourly is always available. It's available to clients initially showing up at our doors and it's available for the ongoing work. If they stay and want to maintain the overall plan that we've laid out for them, um, it's, we have um, ongoing services. Um, it's either, uh, again, twice a year uh, meetings or, uh, or, and there's other things that we do for them, um, you know, over the course of the year um, or quarterly. Um, and so the, the, just to give you kind of an idea of the fees, uh, the twice a year is $1,800 um, and then four times a year is $3,300 and they can pay us um, you know, quarterly or they can pay us uh, monthly as well for, for those types of services. And then hourly, if they just want, you know, one or two uh, questions, they can always do hourly. And do you find that a lot of the clients want to do the ongoing service or is there a drop off, you know, once they have their financial plan? It's a mix. I would probably say it's a 50, 50, um, kind of a split. Um, initially, um, everybody's is, is a little cautious and say, all right, I'm going to try this, especially, and especially if they haven't done it before, right. Um, they just want to kind of figure out how it works. How are they going to be doing with it? Are they committed? Um, are they going to do the work? Um, so, uh, upfront, uh, less people are saying, okay, I'm committed. I'm going to stay the course. What we find interesting, in, and that's why we have ongoing services as an option, right? Um, unlike traditionally, you kind of sign up for, you know, for the, to work with, with a firm and, and that's how they do, um, you know, their planning. You stay on forever. Um, we give an option because they can pick and choose, you know, if they want to come back right away. We find it interesting that some clients were, fair amount of clients come back year two, for example, or, you know, in, in a little bit of time, not necessarily like right away. Um, or some clients come back five years later, right? So it's 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 getting over this initial um, kind of more heavier upfront work um, that gets, you know, them intimidated a little bit, especially if they haven't done, done it before. But once they've done initial plan, it's much easier. And they know that's, that's, I think, the beauty of this business model that we have. They know that they can always reach out to us. If there's an emergency question, they can retain our services on an hourly basis. Or if they need, you know, a major life change has happening, they can come back and we will do a full plan update um, and they'll, you know, be able to answer their questions. You know, it's fascinating hearing you talk about this. I mean, I know even for my own firm, I have AUM clients, you know, so it's like, you know, once you kind of get them in, they're there every year and paying me every year. But, you know, how is, how have you approached the business differently? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these people are just paying one time versus, you know, oh, I know if I get this new client and I have now this new income base, like you're always looking for clients. Yes, that's, I think this is where this business model is quite different from the traditional AUM model. Although we have um, about 175 households who work with us on 
on these programs on continuing basis from year to year. So it, when you're comparing, you know, a young client that you you know that you're going to have that recurrent income you know, for years to come, this is our way of kind of predicting and measuring, right? What are we going to have to face the following year, right? In terms of client load and, and how many plans we have to update. So yes, uh, we, we, we always look at uh, we, how many new clients we have to get uh, in any particular calendar year. Um, and every advisor, we as a, as a, as a, company have uh, goals and then every advisor has their specific goals in terms of how many clients um, they're required to work with, um, new clients and then returning clients. Um, and then of course, right, the clients that we've serviced in the past that may not necessarily said, all right, I'm working with you in 2019, um, you know, there, there could be coming sometime in May or June, right? And we haven't necessarily um, knew that they're going to show up at our doors, um, you know, un unplanned. So um, it's it's always looking for um, for new opportunities. And we've, if it's somehow worked <laughs> over the years um, in terms of, you know, not, definitely every time, every, you know, beginning of the month, you kind of look at the calendar and say, okay, well, how many new meetings um, or get, we call, we call them get acquainted meetings or short GAs. Um, how many new GAs are we going to have, right? Because that predicts how many uh, clients potentially will, um, or prospects, I shall, uh, I shall say, convert to actual clients. Um, so, yeah, it's just, um, I, um, honestly, most of my career have been, uh, practicing this kind of model. So I think I just don't know any different. <laughs> and so looking at this, it's normal, right, for, for us to say, all right, and we have, we've structured our business in a way where we have uh, particular meetings throughout the month, right, with the team, sales meeting, marketing meeting, um, where all of these things, you know, get discussed and to make sure that we stay, um, you know, with the targets that we've set up for ourselves. What really strikes me hearing you say this, you know, I, I talked to so many planners. I was just having a conversation this week with somebody about how they don't know how to articulate the value of financial planning to a prospect. And hearing you say all this, I'm like, man, like, you know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to solve mm -hmm. financial planning. So what are your thoughts on how to articulate the value of financial planning and, and really um, get somebody on board with, with financial planning and working with you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, the way we lead our conversations and, and the way we positioned our marketing materials, our website, and, and how we, you know, how the whole process really goes for us. And that's why I mentioned at the beginning that we we don't focus on investments, right? Or we put that towards the end because what we want to do, and this is where um, I think the value, the, the client has to recognize that the value is is an actual work and, and how how can we help them um, reach their financial goals? That's kind of the, the big driving force. And, and once we... And we have a very particular process when somebody, you know, knocks on our doors and I do a lot of uh, prospecting calls. And if you, um, if you want to kind of follow along, I can model a little bit of this. But on our website, we have a very detailed step-by-step -step process. So I walk them through and explain to them what is going to happen, what they're going to be responsible for, what, what they're going to get from us, right, so that when they show up at our doors and we actually charge um, up front $100 for initial consultation. So that's, you know, one also one step to um, kind of eliminate folks that are not serious and are just, you know, aren't ready to commit. So they actually know um, and understand that goals, and this is the way that the, the, the overall plan is laid out, is that if they can see how, if they can connect all the dots, because a lot of times, um, and I'm sure you've you, you've experienced this with your clients as well. Is that they're just the clients are just not sure how to put all the pieces together, right? And so if we, in the analogy I like to use um, a lot is let's think of this whole financial plan, financial life, all these um, all these things you're dealing with is, is is a puzzle. And so we help you solve that puzzle, but. Until we can put all the pieces together, we have to sort everything out, identify what it is that you want. Right. And I think the piece that most people are interested in is that is what is it that they want and how because once they identify that, then everything else is seems to be pretty straightforward. You know how much you have to save, you know how much you 
or how you have to invest your accounts, you know, how much life insurance you need to get, all of those things that they're asking questions about, they, you know, they, it just falls into place. So the, the way that we describe the value um, is, is in explaining what the process is like, because especially if they haven't done it before, it's like, oh my gosh, and then I have to pay you $3,000 or $4,000. What is it that I'm going to get? Um, so that's kind of our approach to that. Hopefully it, uh, it clarifies it for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so with like your young families, is there usually like a certain income level that you are seeing in your practice? Honestly, we um, do not have any, you know, requirements in terms of what their assets have to be, what their income is, none of that, because it's not, it's not a defining factor for them to work with us. Some of them have negative net worth because they have gigantic student loans, but, but guess what? They still need help, right? They need exactly the same help as somebody who has a positive net worth or a certain um, income level. And because of our locations, and we have five offices across the country, so we're uh, spread out with the physical locations, but we work with, with clients remotely, not just here in, in, in United States, all over the world. It just depends on where the clients are um, uh, uh, geographically, their, low, uh, their income levels might be different, right? For example, I'm here in San Francisco Bay Area. It is, it is a totally different world here in terms of, you know, cost of living, income levels and everything versus uh, Maryland, D.C., right? For example, we have a lot of military or federal employees as our clients. Different demographic, right? Different income levels. They have pensions versus Somebody who's here in the Bay Area and works for Google or Facebook, <laughs> and they have huge stock options, right? So it's just, it, it, it really varies all over. And that's why we've decided that we're not focusing on any of that, but rather, what is it that they're trying to accomplish? What kind of goals do they have? And how can we help them reach all of that? You know, I love talking to you and it, like, I just want to even go back and re-listen to all of this because I feel like so many people get stuck in this rut of we have to manage investments because I mean, they, mm, right. they have to have somebody to manage their investments, but it's so exciting to hear you talking about like, there's really an appetite for the consumers for, for actual true financial planning. Right. Investment management is very much needed for sure. It's just, we've decided as a firm is that we aren't going to be doing it. And, but again, just to emphasize, we still provide investment recommendations, very specific, you know, what are they going to, how to re rebalance their portfolio? What do they have to buy? What do they have to sell? It's just, we don't, with a lot of, you know, do it yourself options these days and clients being tech savvy, you know, fi fi personal finance savvy, all of these things are really uh, manageable for them. And if there are clients who need professional investment management service and we can't provide it to them, we're happy to outsource it. We have a number of clients who have a portfolio manager that does just that for them. And then we stay on with, with them for the financial planning piece because there's more things that we do in terms of the hand-holding aspect, right, than just, okay, here's your plan, go implement it. The, the, as, as you probably all know, the hardest part is the implementation. It's not the, it's not the, the overall sessions and meetings we are going to have with them to lay it out. It's making sure they actually get it done. And that's the hardest piece. Mm -hmm. With that implementation, is that usually done in those nine months of what you're, when you're meeting with the clients? Yes, it is. It is for sure. We have regularly scheduled sessions with um, with the client. Once we present the right, once we worked out through um, the overall plan, had our planning sessions, have the recommendations together, um, and along the pro along you know the overall process, the client doesn't have to wait until we're done um, to get started. Right? Sometimes they just jump on it and start working through things. Um, we have specific um, you know checking calls um, that we do and then we have a, what we call a six months checkup session so initially just to kind of give you a, a timeline it probably would take us three months or so maybe two to three months um, to complete the initial plan and and it's not that it takes us that much time it's just having regularly scheduled sessions um, two to three weeks apart will take 
that amount of time, right? And so we've, we've laid out the initial plan. They, have, they know what they're supposed to be working on. They have their action plan. We use uh, my plan map. It's an automated um, action uh, list, kind of, you know, to-do list of um, all the things that they have to work on. So that helps them um, constantly stay on the top of their to-do items. It sends them reminders. But then, of course, the proactive approach on our part, right, just because they're going to get a reminder by email doesn't mean they're going to get it done, um, is, is what kind of moves them along, you know, the process. And then um, at about nine months or so, we have... A, what we call a six-month checkup session um, to, you know, sit down and look at that <laughs> to-do list that we've created and see how far along they've come. And I swear there's some kind of magic happens right around that, you know, when we're supposed to schedule that meeting. A lot of things get, get um, <laughs> checked off the list <laughs> or not. And then the client just comes and says, I'm the worst kind of client you've ever had. I haven't done anything. Or they get, or they push the meeting out, you know, another month or so. Or there's, okay, I mean, I've seen all kinds of things. But regardless, they know, right? Because we all, we're humans. We all need a little bit of, you know, kick in the butt to get things going. So those, those are the different ways that we, um, <laughs> we help them make sure that they uh, stay on track. And if they continue working with us in the next phase, right, if they stay on for the, for the next phase, that, of course, right, gets us even more uh, time with them to say, all right, what, what do we still need to work from the original plan? What are, you know, what are the kind of updates are coming on and so forth? So it's just, it's just more continuation into what we have um, done for them initially. So I know you have a whole team of, of planners working for you. I'm curious. So in the traditional wealth management space, I mean, they say, you know, how many clients can you really do financial planning for? And it's, I've heard anywhere from like 40 to like 80, maybe a hundred. What is your perspective of how, like in your model, how many clients can one planner work with? I think I think the what the numbers you're saying of right about um right about where we are with so we have four CFPs um on staff, including myself. Um so I'm still very active with um seeing clients. Um that's probably about the same amount, I, I would say. Um about 15 new just because our business model is different where we have to have uh goals for new clients. So um about 15 new clients uh, per advisor is or actually 60 new clients is what our goal this year. And then all the returning clients um, that are coming back either from um, from the years in the, uh, right before or the ones that are going to sign up um, through you know throughout the year. So I would say that sixty to hundred is um, is a good target um, for you know for your kind of client book. And again, with us, it's it's different than in the AUM model where you have um, or your turnover is is as low um, or lower than it is with us. Um, but there's always going to be clients that are just going to, you know, show up and say, "All right, I need help." Um, and so, I, I think I think sixty to one hundred is a good kind of target. Well, it's really cool to hear. I mean, that there are so many clients that just come back. So there, there's some um, like you get to a certain point, and there's just some mass that just keeps you moving. Right, and we and we have a creative marketing ways um, to get them back into the you know into the overall process. Of, I mean, our our whole intention, of course, from the beginning is um, is to work with them, you know, continually, right? But it just it just really depends. We we've decided that we want to meet them wherever they are on this you know financial planning spectrum, um, and because I think there's still so many people that are quite intimidated by this process or just even thinking that financial planning is for them, right? It's just, it just sounds so sophisticated. It just sounds that you have to be so rich to do this, um, that it's, it, I think we, we got to give them a platform to be able to get advice that they need without kind of plucking them, you know, in the box and saying, here's how you have to do it. And there's no other way. So, um, but yeah, we have to be really proactive. That's one thing about our business model is, uh, proactive about reaching out to them, proactive about making sure that they've done, the, you know, implemented all the recommendations um, and, you know, for them to come back. Because if they, that's where the value, right? That's where they start seeing the value. If we, if we lead at the beginning with um, talking to them about what we're going to do and how they're, they're going to identify their goals, in order for them to continue want to come back, they've got to hit their targets, right? They've got to know that they're on track. And the only way for us to show them is to help. And so 
it's it's sort of all falls together um, after a while, but um, yeah, that's how we do it. So in the traditional AUM uh, business plan, the marketing is referrals, really, if we're going to be honest uh-huh. <laughs> with a lot of them. It's like you obviously have built out a pretty robust marketing platform and inside of it. I know I see you going live on Facebook on a regular basis and doing a number of things, but can you talk a little bit more about the marketing side of your business? Sure, sure. Uh, referrals are still pretty big part of our uh, model as well, um, just because in referrals, I mean... Um, Clients themselves, right? They tell their friends, they tell their families. Uh, professional referrals, um, attorneys, um, financial planning firms who do not do uh, financial planning, there still exist actually <laughs> out there. Um, and I remember probably, I would say 10 years maybe, uh, maybe a little more than 10 years ago, it was, wasn't as common to do financial planning and not do investment management. So those are a big referral sources for us. But um, aside from that, that's just, you know, traditional, right? Referral sources from, from anywhere. Um, we do, you know, we do a lot of kind of non-traditional uh, marketing efforts. Um, and so, yeah, I do, I, I have, um, all of our advisors have um, shows that, that they do, right? It's either a podcast, it's either I have um, a weekly show that I um, that I do on Facebook Lives, which is kind of cool. Um, it really forced me to um, get out there and uh, get comfortable in front of camera and connect with people, right? With just through a different channel as you would, if you go to a networking event. Um, we produce a fair amount of content um, in terms of blogs and, uh, and articles and, and webinars for clients that we already service and, and for all the prospects um, who come through our doors. Um, the other big piece of the referrals or where we get our business are associations that support this fee-only, hourly, project-based kind of a business model, and they are... Um, NAPFA, Garrett Planning Network, um, FBA, um, what am I thinking? XY Planning Network. Those are the four. Yeah. So, and we get a fair amount of referrals and also having physical locations. So we have five offices across the country, uh, three, three on the East Coast, Maryland, DC. We have office in New York. And then in California, we have Southern California and Northern California. Um, folks are still finding us based on their zip code. And it's funny how they find an advisor because they're here in their local backyard, but then they're still opting out to do online meetings um, <laughs> just because it saves them <laughs> time, right, in, in traffic. Uh, so, but it still works, so we can't, yeah, we can't figure that one out just yet. But um, So that's kind of, uh, you know, where the, the, the overall marketing. So we have a lot of, a lot of what uh, clients that come to us are more, what, what, how we would call them more from the passive efforts from all of the, you know, online kind of space. And then, of course, um, you know, referrals, they're the ones that, right, all the connections that we created over the years and keep creating and, and meeting new people, they're, they're the ones that, um, you know, sending us clients as well. So I'm curious to hear more of um, your story in the in the financial planning profession, like how you got to where you are, um, and also the evolution of the firm, um, because having five different offices with multiple planners across the country, uh, I think that's that's a really interesting story. Can you tell us more of your story and then kind of how does it intersect with with the firm and then totally the larger story there? <laughs> yes. Um, so I've started, um, I mentioned earlier that Jim Ludwig started our firm in 2002 in, in Maryland. And I used to live on the East Coast um, in Maryland as well. Um, I've uh, When I graduated from college, I just got my toes wet with understanding or learning about financial planning. Um, and I've started, you know, started to take uh, classes uh, at the local at the local college, and um, kind of started to do, you know, my own research because I had no idea what I was going to do with my uh, business administration, concentration, and finance degree. I certainly didn't want to uh, go work for, um, you know, for a company where I had to sell products. I knew that right away because I had an internship. Um, at Smith, Smith Barney, and that was heavily sales-oriented kind of a culture there. It was a great experience, but I wanted to, I really wanted to do more of the fin- real financial planning. So I found, um, found all the, you know, the, the traditional sources um, where, you know, new advisors should 
you know, go. Um, FPA was one of those. Um, I learned about NAPFA. And so from there, kind of all trickled into. And then I, um, my husband at a time was... Um, was he's a he's a CPA by training. He was uh, he was doing an internship at a at a, a local CPA firm, and he came one one day home and says, "I think I have an idea for you how you can get into, uh, you know, into the financial planning." He's like, "You have to you have to go out and find um, a firm, right, where you can start from scratch, basically, right?" Because I had nothing. I only had a, a, a college degree and a few uh, courses and under my belt, right? But I knew I wanted to be a financial planner um, and kind of, you know, work your way up. And I think by, I'm not, not sure if this was luck or it was really more just all the stars aligned for me. I actually saw, and it was really on, um, on FBA, um, this was a local chapter in Maryland. There was an ad um, where Jim posted and said he was looking for assistance, right? And he was a solo practitioner that just started his firm. This was uh, late 2005, early 2006. So it was a couple of years into owning his business. And it kind of started from there. And I was, you know, was willing to take any job that was offered to me because I wanted to, um, to get in. And so uh, I told them, I told Jim that I want to, you know, to make a career out of this and if you know he was interested in getting help this is kind of what i needed and and there was um 2006 so 15 14 years later um we're still kind of working at it uh, but over the years um i got my cfp a couple years later had enough experience to qualify started to started to seek uh, clients on my own at a time we only had one office location and as i mentioned earlier because clients uh, started to sort of find us right through all of these different marketing uh, channels. Uh, we've opened up another location in uh, Washington D.C. Um, Jim uh, was uh, was originally from Southern California, Santa Barbara, um, and so he would go back to visit his family and friends and had an office there um, as well. So it, it was kind of by coastal practice to begin with, um, and then. In 2011, my husband and I decided that we wanted to um, to kind of explore other parts of the country and, and moved to Northern California. And that's where I've just came here in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, didn't know anyone. Um, they had no clients and just opened up, you know, found an office, opened up, a, uh, you know, another location and it kind of um, grew from there. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as... Uh, how my role evolved, um, aside from just, you know, moving <laughs> and uh, opening these different locations. Um, over the years, and I'm sure a lot of you uh, listening, uh, financial planners out there, probably would, would have either experienced this or will at some point, this client's asking a question, um, especially if you're, uh, you know, a little bit older, is how long are you going to be doing this, right? And, you know, can I can I fully trust and be here with you and, you know, grow grow all together kind of a question. And so Jim would always say that, well, if I can't take care of you, then Anna will. And so this conversation kind of kept on, you know, happening. And I remember attending one of the, I think it was a NAPFA conference um, at, uh, at the end of 2013. And I think around that time there was a lot of talk about succession planning and 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 just everywhere you you know you could go, and um, I think I've probably had enough of of hearing about it. And I finally, um, finally you know approached Jim and said, "Well, um, you've talked about you know all of these things happening if they're happening, and you know I could take over the clients, but I think I'm ready right now uh, to take over uh, the whole business operation and." That's kind of how it happened, and I was able to, to purchase the practice from him um, in early 2014, and, you know, since then, I've uh, had an additional <laughs> responsibilities of, um, you know, managing that and being a business owner, and by 2014, I already was living here in California, so we truly had a remote practice because Jim was... Um, in Maryland and all of our clients were spread out. And, uh, but we started just to kind of uh, summarize, we started from just the two of us, right? A, a, a small firm to a growing uh, team of eight right now and um, are still working remotely well with all of our clients and our team as well. I love it that you just approached him about, you know, I'm ready to take over the business side of it. And, and I, I, so many conversations I hear about succession planning, it's years 
of conversation. So I'm curious how that went for you. Yes, I, I think it. I think it was about the same for me as well. Um, it, it wasn't. I, you know, just describe that one particular moment where I said, "Okay, I'm ready to do this." But it, it certainly did take us um, years in terms of kind of thinking and talking about and, and really saying, "All right." And it was as well as for Jim, right, um, agreeing to do something like this. Um, and for myself as well and saying, all right, do I really want to become a business owner? I really enjoy the aspect of financial planning. That's what I know how to do. That's what I've been trained to do. I've, I had zero skills in managing a business. Um, so, but it's still, it's, it's just, it still took us a little bit of time um, to figure it out. I think it may be because we've worked together for so long initially, it may have been just an easier conversation and kind of an idea um, but I, I would, I want to take the credit for the fact that I was uh, ballsy enough to say I'm ready to do it now. Um, if you are, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll give myself a credit there. The rest, you'll have to interview Jim. He'll tell you <laughs> his side of the story <laughs> on this. Oh. And so, when you bought the practice, like, did you envision that you would be having, you know, five offices around the country with, you know, eight staff members? Was this part of your plan? Or did it just kind of unfold that way? It was. I've always, I, I think that one of the biggest reasons I wanted to buy the practice from Jim is because I wanted to create a, a true financial planning firm. I, I, I wanted to move it beyond just, you know, initially Jim, right? When you're a solo advisor, everything is centered around you. Clients know you, it's you. Um, then when I started seeing clients, it was Jim and Anna. Um, so I really wanted to get away from that because the, the whole idea was how can we help more people? And, and so my vision always has been, can we have more locations? Um, can we help more clients? Can we get more you know, team members so that they can service more clients? So it's always been that idea. And so I think I, without really having a grand plan initially, I knew that the first step would be if I could be in charge, right? If I can have my own ideas or be able to, implement my own ideas, this would be um, the way to do it. And so, but um, yes, it's certainly, um, and buying a practice is very different from starting your own practice. There's there's a lot of its own challenges when you buy in a practice because you already have a set ways of doing uh, financial planning. You have a set ways of running a business and, and there's set ways of what programs and systems and there's, there's you basically get everything. Um, and there's a fair amount of mistakes that I've made, you know, trying to change things and, and, and of course, right, because that's what I wanted to do, um, as opposed to when you start your own firm, right, there's a set of challenges there, not having enough clients and growing that. So is there a better way to do it? It really depends. Um, what, you know, what, where you, you know, if you have an opportunity to, to do that or if you, if you don't, but um, it's certainly what I've realized over the years as well is that um, it certainly requires running a business um, in the, because my idea was always, I wanted a, a business. I wanted a company that would run without me having to be there. Right. And I'm actually now um, starting to experience that because I had a life changing transition uh which is my husband and i just had a baby um baby boy named liam he's six weeks old and so i this is for the first time ever i actually took time off so i'm still taking the time off i'm technically still on paternity leave but that's the idea of well how can your business actually run without you and it's very hard to do in a service type of business which is what you know what we are all in and so um, I'm far from having a perfect 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 setup and perfect structure but um, working really hard on 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 getting there as you've grown your firm when you bring on new advisors are you expecting them to generate revenue are they on salary are they commission-based like how, how does how are you structuring that from a firm process standpoint Yes. Um, so our advisors are uh, salaried advisors. Um, so, but they are expected uh, to service clients. There's two things. They're expected to service clients that we already have, right? We have a base of clients that are signed up and working with us in any particular calendar year. We have a base of clients um, that we've serviced all of these you know, years that anytime 
would show up at our doors and they should be ready to work with them. But also, everybody, every advisor has a specific new client sales goal that they're, you know, um, obligated uh, to meet. And so business development, uh, you know, professional development, all of those things that you will have to do if you were running your own firm is, is part of what they, um, what everybody's involved um, in. And then do you help them with that marketing plan and kind of building that out? Exactly. Exactly. So we have, we have sort of the corporate, we call it a corporate structure, although it's not, <laughs> but you know, the corporate efforts that Main Street does, right, as a company, how, how we promote our brands and then what each individual advisor will have to do. Because it's, it still comes down to, even though you work at a firm, right, like ours or any other firm, you're still your own individual, right, advisor and clients are still, even though they may be attracted to our business model, they're still going to be attracted to one of our advisors more than, you know, than the other. So you have to put yourself out there. And so everything from, you know, social media, from, you know, writing blogs, and that's why we do all of those things, because that's how clients and prospects get to know us. That's how they become comfortable with, you know, with, with getting, you know, closer to having a relationship, a closer relationship with one of the advisors. And so your locations around the country, do they correspond with an advisor that, that lives there? Not necessarily, by any means. Um, we, we do a fair amount of travel. I, of course, have cut back on that uh, substantially. Um, but uh, no, not necessarily. And again, I think more emphasis these days is, uh, even though when we have, so the offices that we have, just to clarify, because um, some people may think, oh my gosh, you have a huge expense on uh, for paying rent on all of <laughs> all of these locations. <laughs> it's actually not. And um, it worked quite, quite well for us because of the, you know, the shared office space kind of a concept. So we have... Uh, we, we have physical locations um, in all of those that I've mentioned, but um, if you if a client, and Jim and I do a fair amount of travel, um, Liz is uh, located in the Maryland, D.C. area, so she kind of services um, that um, that area, and then Cynthia, who's here in uh, in San Francisco, Bay Area, she uh, covers, you know, this territory, so... Um, it's it's not a proportionate, not you know, allocation of advisors of any of, of any kind. Um, it's really just where the clients are, and a lot of times, if we can convince them to work remotely, that's a win. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to travel, but we I mean, very strategic with the travel too. Not to say that you know, every anytime there's a client jumping on the plane, not really. Um, it's you know, specific uh, days of the month uh, that either Jim or I were traveling to the East Coast or to the West Coast, and we sort of group all of our appointments, and, you know, so it's um, very time efficient. Well, and speaking of efficient, just hearing you talk, do you leverage a lot of technology? I mean, I assume you do in your firm to really streamline the processes and everything that you're doing firm-wide and also with your clients. Yeah, so we do. We do. I mean, we have to be. We've, um, you know, we we had to, to adopt um, a lot of technologies early on um, just because we were you know, positioned, we were located that way and we wanted to be, you know, more efficient. Nobody wanted to sit in, in, in the office and only have, you know, a desktop and not be able to take your laptop and go. And plus, you know, with the travel, um, we had to. So we, I mean, we use pretty much all the traditional um, kind of things that a lot of the firms use. Um, you know, all the documents are in the cloud. We have, we use two financial planning software. We have a CRM. Um, we use, uh, you know, Zoom for, Zoom for online meetings, um, Slack for kind of internal communication. We use Asana for project management and all the business operations in the background. Um, yeah, we use G Suite for all of our emails on calendar. And do you use Asana for just the project management or do you actually manage like the client processes in Asana? No, client, all the client processes we have. One of the things that's, that's something that I actually, a uh, good question. I wanted to sort of emphasize on this earlier. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I think we've been successful over the years in servicing so many clients, and I think we, by far, if, if you look back at how many you know, other advisors you've talked to um, on this podcast, we do about 100 
25 to 150 new plans every year. So this is new clients. So it's a lot of new, you know, information and, and new families and, and everything is new. So we have um, worked really hard in creating workflows uh, that help us guide the process because there's different parties that are involved in, in this uh, overall in, uh, financial planning process from from Cassie, our admin person scheduling and coordinating to advisor having meetings to we also have pair planners that we employ, pair planners doing all the work and so forth. So we have a very precise process that is laid out in our workflows in the CRM um, that allows us to, you know, for this for this to work seamlessly because the, for, uh, you know, first of all, the team is all remote, the clients could be remote, and so all of these pieces come together. So Asana is really just for more for business function management and um but the the client the client pieces all lives in our workflows so you mentioned that you have a six six weeks old baby congratulations on that thank you how did you see your mindset shifting as you were pregnant and as you were anticipating a maternity leave like how did that how did that um impact your business Ah, good question. I, I think I think in preparation, first of all, I didn't know what I was facing. Um, that's I think fair statement. Um, unless you have unless you have a child, you can kind of know what to expect. Um, so I didn't how you know how everything would uh, would change. But um, what I what I knew I had to get done right. It's almost like I can a good analogy for um, expecting to have a baby is like you go on vacation tomorrow and the day before that vacation starts, um, you want to get so much done, right? You're so efficient with your time. All the projects are coming to close. So I think um, a couple months before before my son arrived, it was it was getting a lot of stuff done. It was it was making sure that, and again, emphasizing the fact that I could take time off and the company is still running, the clients are still being serviced, um, all the functions, right, of a business is still being there, everything is ongoing and I don't, you know, don't have to show up, although I do and I want to, but it's not dependent on me. So making sure all of those, um, all of that was in place. And one of the other things that was um, interesting too, we, um, at the end of the year, we run a promotion for all of our clients so in December. So it just happened just to be the timing of all of this. But um, that was, a, you know, a big project that we usually push out in December in terms of getting all the old clients to come back. And you know, making sure that everybody is set up for for the following year. So, if anything, I think what I've learned through this process up until now is that um, time being very efficient with the time and being laser focused on what my responsibilities are as as an advisor, right, with the clients that I already have. And I had to transition a fair amount of clients for the time being, right, to other advisors, to Liz and to Cynthia, just because. I'm not available, right, for some time. And then being also laser focused with what business functions need to, to happen, what marketing efforts, and how do we make sure that just because I'm not here, you know, every day, what has to have has to happen. And now that I have, <laughs> we've had our son um, six weeks into this, um, and, and, you know, learning and figuring out what the new routines will be, I think the time um, aspect will become even more um, important. And how do, how do I, the question that I keep asking myself is how do I be a mom? <laughs> how do I be a good financial planner, right? And still service the clients because I that's the piece that I love the most. And then how do how do I still run this business, right? And and keep on with the vision um, and, and right, the goals that we've set up for it. So uh, I haven't figured it all out yet. Um, but um, certainly um, open for suggestions and advice. Well, and I think, you know, I think such an important message is for women who are listening to this, who want to have a family someday, is that it is possible and that we actually work in a great field for it to happen. Oh, yes. I, I think I one of the things that I'm, aside from, um, you know, from having a family and just, you know, having a business, um, I've, you know, I have been focusing on, yes, and showing other women, right, especially in our profession, is that you could have, you could have a career, right? You could have um, a satisfying business and you can also, you know, have other things that you want. 
maybe not necessarily a family because it's not for, you know, not everybody does it, but if you do, it's very doable. And I think this profession is, is by far um, the one that has a lot of opportunities. And so um, I'm, I'm passionate about helping, you know, a lot of women um, to understand that because I, when I started, I had no idea. Um, I just, I just loved the, the, the aspect of financial planning. I loved helping people. Um, but I didn't, I didn't understand all the pieces that went into it. Um, just years later, um, didn't have the right resources, uh, connections, right? It's like I think everybody can relate. When when you're new into something, you don't know. And looking back now, almost 15 years, I wish I had those resources, but I've created them myself. So you mentioned that you're passionate with helping other women in, in the financial planning pre- profession. And so on top of everything else that you're doing in your practice and, and really leading our profession in this, in this hourly based planning that you're doing, um, can you, can you share more about what you're doing to help other professional women? Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's a kind of a passion project that's been in the works for, um, for a little bit, but um um, last year, I officially um, have launched a group, a community, uh, call it a group, a community called a collective. And really, um, the idea behind it and, and why I sort of wanted to to go out there, I mentioned this earlier, but based on just what I had to go through and, you know, grow professionally um, as a planner, right, and, and, and being a woman in, in the male-dominated industry, um, I wish, looking back, I wish I had um, resources, right? I wish I had a, a mentor to help me, you know, go through um, through the process. And so I figured that, okay, I am at this point in my career and I have other women on my team, right, other advisors. So what can I, what can I share? from my own experiences and what things I'm working on right now uh, and what have I done and how can, you know, how can there be a community? So I'm all about learning from other people, right? So it's not just, okay, here, look at me. This is what I've done, but it's, it's about this collective. And so that's one of the reasons I called uh, this group is collective is, um, you know, learning from others and kind of sharing ideas. So, and the basis of the, the collective group is um, personal growth. Because I believe that if you can work on yourself, right? And personal growth is is a topic that's, it's very broad, but there's a lot of different skills um, that we all can develop and where, you know, how that translates into, right, becoming a better financial planner? How does that translate and become a better business owner if that's what you want to do? How does that translate and become a better mother, right? Because that's the the track I'm on. And so all of those pieces are interconnected. And again, I didn't see those resources in our community. A lot of what's available in the financial planning space um, today is is about how to be you know, how to become better professionally, and that's great. But because there's not enough women, right, in this profession, I think the, the personal growth aspect of it is really much much needed. That's at least what I wanted all along um, as I was, you know, was starting out very new right out of college in this profession. And so the collective community, um, it's, it's an online uh, community. We have local events. We've done a fair amount of last year and planning to do more um, this year. Uh, we are just about to launch our podcast, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but you can certainly find us. We have our own website. It's collectivenetwork.com. Um, but um, that's kind of what, um, what we stand for. If you like this episode, you can find more at fpaactivate.org. And be sure to join the FPA Activate community on Facebook. We hope you'll join us and help grow the financial planning profession. Thanks for listening.